This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie. And I, uh, I was relaxed, Will. I was relaxed. I've just come back from a week's holiday. I was feeling very relaxed. But as soon as I get home, you know what happens? What? Mo bin, mo problems. Oh, okay, okay. Hang on. What's going on now? All right. So for those who came in late, I've been having bin issues. Uh, my bin went missing for a while, my red bin. And uh, I blamed a bunch of uh, 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 local punks, uh, uh, imaginary lawless teenagers, teenagers. local teenagers that you invented in your get off my lawn, Gran Turismo life that you are now living. Yeah. Yeah. In my mind, they were like every 80s action film where there's like a gang. Like, you know, a couple of them had mohawks. All they do is stand on street corners and drink and yell and stuff. Essentially, uh, you imagine they were those guys that uh, I can't remember which. Uh, Terminator iteration it was. Well, the, the original first one. one. And then when they rebooted yeah. it Looks again. like this guy's couple cans short of a six-pack. <laughs> Laundry day. Nothing clean, right? <laughs> That's what's going to happen. I'm going to walk down the stairs to look for my bin and a bunch of teens are going to come. I'm going to walk downstairs nude like the Terminator <laughs> and a bunch of kids are going to come up to me and go like, this guy looks a couple cans short of a six-pack. <laughs> uh, no. So for those who came in like. My bin went missing. I assumed it was like unruly teens. Turns out it was just an honest mistake from a neighbor. In the meantime, I ordered a replacement bin because it had been gone for a number of days from the council. And when my new bin arrived, they'd supersized it. They had pimped my bin. It's now whatever the literage of my original bin was, it's probably an extra third on top of that. It's a primo bin. Oh, really? Someone down at the local council has turned to somebody else once they've got your complaint and just said, we're going to need a bigger bin. <laughs> yeah. Upgrade. This dude deserves an upgrade. I've been a, a loyal. Uh, uh, I've been in this council for quite a number of years. I think it's just a part of their loyalty program. New bin every eight years. Right. This guy clearly uh, is. It's excess rubbish. It's a street bin. Yeah. Uh, there's people putting their own rubbish in it, so we have to take into account his rubbish and the extra rubbish that is being provided by the community. So. Uh, leading up until my holiday, it was, it was great having all this extra room. I wasn't even putting my bin out every night. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, every week. Like, I could let it go for two weeks and still there'd be room there. And also, it was a nice... I mean, it feels like you've got a pretty big backstory for something that's only been happening for a minimum of a month. <laughs> like, so I don't know how many times you left it out. You didn't put it out every second week because if that had only ever happened twice, that would have taken the entire time I've, period. Okay. I've, thought, I've put it out once in a month. Okay. That's how fucking. That's how awesome my new bin is. In fact, you don't want you don't want people on the street seeing your new bin. You're keeping it from yeah. the public. Yeah, exactly. 
under lock and key. I've got 24-hour security. In fact, you're not even putting your own rubbish in it. You are taking your rubbish out Shawshank style to the street to put in other bins just so that your bin doesn't get polluted. Yeah, I clean my garbage before I put it in the bin. That's how good my new bin is. So, uh, we go away for a week. We get back a couple nights ago. And it's fair to say the bin situation has taken a turn. Now, there are a lot of local shops around here, and sometimes I've caught them doing it. Some of the local businesses will get there, you know, because they'll get deliveries on crates of cardboard. And so they'll be walking around trying to find a bin they can stuff their excess cardboard in. So I've caught, you know, shop owners doing that. I've come back, and behind where I keep my bins... the neighbourhood narc, aren't you? If it's not unruly teenagers, it's random small business owners trying to go about their small business, and you're on to them as well. Yeah, mate, I'm a... But you know what? I just cautioned them. There was no kind oh, of discrimination. There's nothing... You gave them yeah. an official caution, did you? Pretend yeah, police right. officer. You got out yeah, your old costume from your days on Blue Healers and you just started wandering around the neighborhood, cautioning people. Well, I just was very, I was very polite. When I came downstairs, I was walking the dog and I see the waiter from the cafe next door and she's pouring her garbage into my recycle yeah. bin. I said, oh, excuse me, that's my bin. <laughs> <laughs> and she apologized and then was like, oh, I wasn't sure. And I said, well, no, no, your bin is around the back of the shop with the number of the shop written on it. See this? This number? That's my apartment. Oh, hello. That's my bin. <laughs> Feels like you've leaned into this caution. Feels like yeah. that bit where you said you were okay with it and polite seems to have <laughs> rapidly be going out the window. Yeah. Pretty passive aggressive about knowing where their bin is. I know where your yeah, bin I is. Said, Why don't you know where my bin is? The next thing I said to her was, do I look like a clown to you? Do I amuse you? <laughs> you think I put this bin out there so you can fuck with me? Is that what you think? Am I some kind of asshole? <laughs> Does my bin look, look like some kind of retail bin? Some kind of <laughs> shop bin? <laughs> At least take me out to dinner if you're going to fuck me, all right? At least take me out to dinner. <laughs> That's what you say to a local yeah. small business owner. At least take me out to dinner if you're going to fuck me. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I get back and behind where the bins are, someone has shoved, it looks at least like three refrigerator-sized cartons, like flattened cardboard, but like, you know, the kind of cardboard that... When breakdancing was massive, you'd be like, it would be the biggest find ever. There's like three sheets of those stacked behind the bins. Clearly too big to put in a bin, but just jammed behind my bins. Well, you know what you've got to do with that, Charlie? You've got to drag that down to that nearby cave to where you live and leave it for the teenagers. So <laughs> oh, after yes. they've been smoking their bongs and drinking their beers, they can do a little yeah. breakdancing. They can do some headstands. Yeah. A, a bloody nang break, a break, a break nang yeah. party. <laughs> exactly. After, after a couple of quick nangs, you can bust out a worm. My gift to you, local teenagers. So, um, you know, what's happened is the recycle bin someone has filled up. So someone's taken my absence to take advantage of my recycle bin. So that's stacked to the brim. Also, it's getting hot here in Sydney. So the, the local take burger shop's clothes. doing a roaring trade. I'm getting so, so a lot hot. Of, I'm going to take my clothes off. Sorry. <laughs> it's a Pavlovian response. So there's a lot of kids who dump their Coca-Cola bottles and chip wrappers into the bin. I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll unhealthy that. eating I as well. What's going on? I, I see it. I see you profiling these unhealthy kids drinking their Coca-Cola and eating their snack potato crisps. 
Well, I'm not an extremist about it, but their parents are basically child abusers. <laughs> what they are doing is child abuse. So Giving your them, child $10. So I went to their house and gave them a caution. <laughs> <laughs> I am basically the self-appointed sheriff of my neighborhood. I just go around cautioning people. The passive-aggressive sheriff. You always say to them, there's a new sheriff in town. And they were like, there is no sheriff in town. That is not a position that this local community needs. So, all these sheets of cardboard are stacked behind the bins. My recycle bin is stacked to overflowing. But I'm like, okay, well, the issue with the big cardboard stuff is, I don't know what it's like where you live, but here, if something's not in a bin, they won't take it. So you can lean cardboard against the fence on recycle day, they'll just leave it there. They won't pick it up. I don't know if it's like some regulation or... So sidebar, what, what, are you, what, are you, what is the ruling on that? Because obviously having moved house, still, still not successfully done after a year after I was meant to have done it, but um, I still have lingering sort of cardboard and I've been pretty much just on a month-by-month -month basis sort of, you know, putting... Oh, uh, Shawshank, Shawshank style. Exactly. <laughs> tearing it bins, up and, yeah. Evening it yeah. out. Yeah, getting it done. But... I do look longingly at other people who have the courage to lean some uh, sort of packing up against their bin. What are you meant to do in that situation? Are you meant to, am I meant to be taking I think that it's... to the tip or am I meant to be, like what happens with like, you know, when you get something delivered in packaging, what are you meant to do? Well, I, uh, I believe like with moving boxes, they mm. recycle those. So if you bought them from like a storage place or whatever, they recycle them. So you can take them back. I don't know if you get a discount or something. But what if but, you like uh, say buy, a, like, you know, say a, a fridge gets delivered a to my house or whatever, yeah, or a, a TV. And I, I think now it's have hard the boxes rubbish. from those. I think it's hard rubbish. I Is that right? I have to wait for hard, hard rubbish. I think well, I would think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you looked at, I wouldn't take it to the tip. I'd take, well, maybe a recycling plant. Yeah. Well, I don't know that they see some of these cardboard boxes. See, I have enough room in the recycling, but I don't think that some of these boxes are recyclable because I've been trying... Oh, because so that's, you've had all those, human or, all those human organs delivered to you in chilled boxes. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, every month from Thailand, someone sends you like an organ stolen from a tourist so you can stay feeling so young. That's the only way that we can fund this podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm running an organ donation business, an illegal organ donation business on the side. Charlie's experimenting with Patreon and I'm experimenting with illegal organ uh, redistribution. Uh, look, about, we've got about the same amount of finance coming into the podcast at the moment. Still not quite enough. But along with the good people at Movement Watchers, it gets us to the point we can pay everybody. <laughs> what are you eating, by uh, the yeah, way? No, I think uh, just for the people I'll at home. Oh, sorry. Can everyone hear that? I'm eating some asparagus and kangaroo. Okay. All right. There you go. That's a, this, like, is the, are they separate things or are you eating them together? So they're, no, they're, it's a, it's a grilled steak with some uh, blanched asparagus. And on top of that, I've driveled some runny almond butter. So it's kind of like a satay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't have time to eat before we started recording. I no, no, that's okay. I just thought, you know, I mean, seeing it was happening. I thought it might as well point out what it, it was rather than you were just having a stroke every three or four minutes. <laughs> so, my, the, my recycle bin's stacked to overflowing with those cardboard there. I'm like, okay, but Primo bin is left untouched. And I was like, well, you know what? In a war of attrition, there's going to be some casualties. This is okay because Primo bin is still Primo. That night, Gemma and I are in the living room and Gemma is sort of like sitting on the couch and she sees something out in the window on the street. And she's like, what the fuck is that? And I don't look straight away because sometimes I ignore my wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't look straight away because I'm watching TV. Yeah. 
But she said there's a guy like you don't in look a bush. straight away because you're too intently staring out another window with binoculars looking for local teenagers. <laughs> well, this guy, I eventually take a look. This guy, he's carrying like it looks like he's carrying a bush. It's like it's like he's walking down the street. It's like an ant escaping a picnic with a Brussels sprout. Like he's just carrying this enormous round bush down the street. By the way, watch him. It would be the best picnic I've ever been to in my life if I saw one ant take off with a Brussels sprout. Hey, who's bringing whole Brussels sprouts to a picnic? You've got a shitty picnic going on. But secondly, that one ant has taken off with one alone, that would be an ant I would follow. I would literally follow that ant back to his nest and start worshipping that ant as my leader. So, we see this happen. I'm going to take a drink of water because I'm choking on my steak. <laughs> you know, the podcasting life, guys. And hello to any of our international listeners. Yes, we do indeed eat our national emblem for food. I don't, but, you know, as a country, we do. So we see this guy cross the road and he goes to Primo Bin, opens it up and stuffs like the whole whatever plant it was into the bin to the point where he can't close the lid and then he sort of just takes off. Mm. And I was like, I didn't kind of see what direction he went in. I was like, well, maybe that's a neighbor or something or whatever. I don't know. I go down in the morning and someone has cut like an ivy off a fence, I assume, or something, or an ivy off a tree. So it's the whole kind of like coil of ivy and then a branch stacked in my bin. But the thing is, we don't have a green bin in our apartment building because there's no garden. So there is nowhere to put this bin. So now I'm faced with the idea of, A, there's someone who dumped in my bin and you know how I feel about that. <laughs> but B, he's passed the responsibility of doing something with this plant to me because because I got so annoyed. I went down there and like pulled it all out and just d- threw it on the ground on the footpath next to where my bin is. But then I was like, you know, like in every hero story, the first act is always the reluctance. Mm-hmm. There's, the, you know, like Oscar Schindler just wants to take care of business. Like, you know, people just want to take care of their own shit, but they're, somewhere they're compelled to do the right thing, even though it goes, goes counter to who they are. I love so that like, you think in some way you're the hero of this story. Old man <laughs> shouting at children and accusing neighbours. Dude, I literally saw it happen. Like, I wasn't imagining this. I, I, like, I saw someone, and it was a man, put it into... I, I still don't know who it was. For a second, I thought of, like, asking my neighbours, like, maybe knocking on their door, and I was like, doesn't matter. Like, where is this going to go? There's no green bin. Like, it's just going to become someone else's problem. So I've decided to make it my problem. Good. No, I like this. Because I was going to say the same as you. Like, I mean... The problem is that that is not even like I'm. I'm definitely on your side. A, he shouldn't be dumping something in your bin. But B, but not only is something something that it doesn't belong there. Like it doesn't belong it, in that bin. That's green waste. You go and find yes. some stranger's green bin to be dumping that in. At least dump it in the appropriate bin. Now nah, I'm with you with that. Back on side. You've got me. So, but here's the thing, Will. I don't have a green bin. So no, but neither does your like... apartment block. He's gone to the wrong place for the redistribution of this green stuff. I know, but I am, but I have to, now it's my problem. So I have to work out what to do next. Now I'm thinking, I know two wrongs don't make a right, but next garbage collection night, there will be green bins out there. So my plan is to go down with like a hacksaw and just cut up the body of the plant and like put it into like easily movable containers, like a cardboard box or like a garbage bag, wait until like 11 p.m., on bin night where the green bin's out and then go and distribute, just subtly distribute the plant into all the green bins. Am I taking on too much of a risk is what I, I need to know. Like if someone sees me, they could think this is all my fault. 
even though I'm trying to do the right thing. I mean, there is a chance that even the person who put it in your bin was in that same situation. Like, we don't know that if they were the instigator of this in the first place. Maybe somebody dumped it in their bin and they were trying to do the right thing by putting it in another bin. Oh, hang on, no, because they haven't put it in a green no. bin. So regardless, no. they're still and, terrible and, for the environment. And also, when they stacked it in, like, it was overflowing. It didn't fit. Like, if he was trying to be a bit considerate, he would have chopped it down, like I'm proposing. Yeah, he would have got out his hacksaw and he would have yeah. uh, cut it up a little bit. Um, okay. Yeah. You know what? I, I Yeah, okay. I think that... Well, you're just trying to do the right, the right thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with your plan, apart from where is it currently? Where are you currently storing this large bit of ivy? It's just, a, it's just outside the apartment. It's on the ground next to the bins. On top of the cardboard, the fridge cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't believe in the law of attraction, but it is odd that the last six weeks of my life have been occupied with fucking bin nonsense. Like it's getting worse and it should be getting better. I mean, I've got my primo bin. I think that oh, this is. I'll oh, go on. Do I call the council and ask for a green bin just for one week? I mean, no, because then there's a chance I'll retract your good bin as well. Because this starts to seem sus. The minute you start, <laughs> like, it's like you've got your good new bin and you're like, what else can I get from this council? Yeah. yeah I'll see if I can get point. myself a green bin. I was like, um, no, but. I don't think that there's anything wrong with you redistributing that to other green bins once the green bins are out on the street that night. Because it's not like, yeah. particularly green bins, I reckon. Because like, you know, while you might still have a little bit of recycling in the house or you might realise, oh, I haven't cleaned out the bin in the bathroom. I want to go down to my bin and pop it in late at night before the bins come. It's rare that you have a last minute emergency bit of green waste. It's rare <laughs> yeah, that true. at midnight you, you forget that the Christmas tree needs to go in the green bin, you know? Yeah, good point. But I should leave it late, right? Yeah, leave it late. Not for... Because there's not, nothing... Not for... Do it under the cover of darkness. Cause... <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> nothing and better I dress... than a mysterious guy with a beard and a hacksaw roaming the streets suspiciously. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is I'll be wearing like... been giving everybody cautions? I think we need to be cautious around him, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> So you're saying I shouldn't go like black hoodie, black jeans, black sneakers zipped up. You think just go as kind of, be so open about it that people don't look twice. Like if I look suspicious, like I'm trying to, like this dude looked last night, maybe I shouldn't do it under the cover of darkness. You know, like mentalists, the way they kind of con people and stuff is they just do it so in front of their face that people's brains don't register. So I'm just like middle of the day when the bins are out, just strutting around hacking things up, dropping them in bins. I'll yeah, become in invisible. Fact, find one of your so neighbours who's home and at yeah. their green bin and then stare them directly in the eye as you walk towards <laughs> them holding the green waste. Open their green bin in front of them. They'll be too stunned to do anything about it at that point. Hacksaw in one hand. And without breaking eye contact at any time, then shove it into their green bin in front of them. <laughs> shut it in front of them. And then back away from them so you never once break eye contact. That's what I suggest. <laughs> Just like a silverback gorilla. Just that kind of mad stare that anything just, could happen. Yeah. Like, you don't know that I'm necessarily there to do bad, but you could definitely see it going that way. Um, you are the dreaded middleman in this, Charlie. You have become the middleman. And uh, 
yeah. you know, often, um, you know, we have a go at the middleman, but this is one of those situations where the middleman finds himself in a situation where the middleman didn't want to, you're an unwilling middleman. You've become yeah, the right. middleman, but you have a responsibility now to kind of, you know, redistribute uh, that out for the good of the planet. And I, and I admire your work. Well, that's funny because what the middleman is doing there is actually become, he's trying to graduate because if there's three parts, right, you've got the sender, middleman and receiver. Mm. Middleman is cutting out the receiver because he's taking what has been received and then like distributing it evenly, like putting it to waste. No, so it's cutting kind of out like the receiver would mean you went around to that person's house in the first place. You spotted it in the wrong bin at someone else's house, took it out, took it over to your bin. Then you're taking out the, the, the first person. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. By just by the the chain of events, you're the middleman, the unwilling middleman. I mean, it seems weird to me. Did you see which direction this person came from? Because that would indicate to me, unless they were very clever about hiding their tracks, which it doesn't seem like they are. I imagine that they live in the direction they came from in the first place. Well, they just crossed the road, so I feel like they came from the other side of the road. But. I don't know. I didn't see the... It's not a great vantage point from our living room down to... You could see the street, but I couldn't see the... You know what? That's actually a key piece of information that's missing. If this was like a whodunit or whatever, the actual... My view of the bins is obscured by the building. So I could see him walk up to the bins with the bush and do something and then leave without it. And I went down the next day and saw it stuff. But might not have been as insidious... As I'm thinking, maybe, for instance, like this is still bad. He just was dumping that green waste. And then the next morning, someone else stuffed it in the bin. Right. You don't know that. There's a gap in the I timeline know that. between those That's two That's what I events. mean. That's a crucial. We've got to find out if there's any cameras in the area. Uh, there's no traffic lights. That's a shame. There's no ATMs. Bummer. God, why didn't we film this corner? Well, I mean, it is one of those things where... Have the, you seen it, that creepy bearded guy with a hacksaw? <laughs> he's always like in his bedroom with a camera pointed down at the street. Like, I don't know what he's up to, but it can't be good. I mean, the other thing is, were they carrying this or were they dragging it? Is it big enough that you would drag it? Carrying it? it. No, I was carrying it. Like I said, it's like this big round thing in front of him. Like he was, yeah. Yeah, how heavy like, was it though? Well, not heavy because it's, it's, it's more, it's like, it's coiled up. It's like, coiled up vines within the big thick branch that the vines are growing from yeah but i but i ask you this like how how far would you be willing to carry something like that i'm trying Uh, to ascertain like how far somebody would go away from their own home with that thing well i mean it's not heavy so theoretically he could i would say the most you'd travel is like two blocks he could easily carry two blocks like jason Bourne, he could hit he could hit like a mile running at full speed carrying a bush well, I think the thing is, you, you're not going to dump it on your own block, right? Because it's going to be easy for people jigsaw style to be able mm. to just go back and go, oh, well, that's where that vine clearly has come from. It's probably this person. But yeah. you're also not going to carry it, like you said, you know, five blocks away because what's the point of that, right? If you're so brazen yeah. that you're just going to carry it in front of you and then just shove it in somebody's bin, then I don't think that you're you know, going too far from home. So I'm suggesting that with a simple pattern walk of your neighborhood, Best based on uh, which direction you think they came from in the first place. If you just do a simple pattern, you take Junior out for a walk and you do a simple pattern, walking two or three blocks in every direction, you will eventually find the piece of hedge where this uh, substantial piece has come out of and you'd be able to say, ha-ha, it's from there. And then go in and give them a caution. 
we'd <laughs> we'd need to get some uh, we'd need to get some dudes from the academy down because we'd have to run some tests using the same weight. We'd have to weigh it, and then we'd pick say three three volunteers and get them to move from five k, two k, and one k, and see which is the more likely. You know, maybe we find discovering that five k is too far. Maybe we discover two k is too far. But you know what I mean? We can sort of. I mean, you could do that. A radius, sure. a search, but we radius, don't actually yeah. have to find the exact point straight away. We just have to do a little search. Pa- so it's more your sort of, you know, um, Tommy Lee Jones in the Fugitive. You know, we're just yeah. putting out check a every pattern. outhouse, doghouse, and kennel in the area. um okay so imagine it's a few blocks away um you could easily ascertain where it has come from and work it out if you were daryl from the walking dead um you'd be able to track it you would have like you know gone down to the dirt you would have been seen how yeah sniffed it what direction it was going that night you know maybe you know did they did they drag it a little bit along the way you know you'd be able yeah you buy that's what you should actually do you should smell what it smells like oh you should get Mm. junior to do it so you, you smell oh, yeah. it nah. and then you rub it in front of Junior's nose and then you let him off his lead and you say, go boy, go, find it, go boy. Junior is so old now and his eyesight's going and his hearing's going, he would have no idea what he's meant to do. It's quite funny seeing um, for uh, for Jem's birthday, I, I cut together a whole bunch of like Super 8 film that I had from like the mid 2000s and late 2000s when he was a puppy. Completely fucking forgot like, because the dog I know now is just like, I'm going to sleep mm, probably like 20 hours of the day and the rest of the time, just give me pats and feed me. Like that's, the, he's gone from being like a terrier who would run fucking everywhere. Like the way he stood wake us up in the morning was like, you would pretend to be asleep because it was so annoying. You'd jump up in the bed, he'd be on your chest, he'd start licking your ear. Now you can't get him out of bed. Like right. seriously, you wake up in the morning, he just like, he looks at you with one eye, he's like, fuck that. Just wake me up when there's some food in the bowl. I can't wait for that time, both in yeah. the life of my dogs and in my life. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you and your dogs will finally identify with each other. <laughs> exactly. And I reckon we're all going to hit it about the same time, about seven years from now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, time for some tea mail. Okay. T- I know t- we- quickly, just before we get into it, um, yeah. I, I enjoy hearing about your bin dilemmas. Um if you were able to, so, no, no. say for example, you're, you're, you're out walking. You're not specifically looking to track them down, but you go out yeah. for a walk with Junior and you just happen to walk by and clearly you're able to identify where it came from. There's like a slot out of their hedge, almost in the exact same shape of you know, the bush that you have there. Would you be tempted to just walk it back and replace it and put it back in the spot or would you still redistribute it into the green bins? I think it makes more of a statement to take it back and dump it under the spot where it was cut from. I think putting it back is too much effort. Suggest maybe I was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but you dump it. You dump it sort of defiantly at the foot of the wall or wherever you, you found the hole. What if instead of cleaning up that cave on a Sunday morning that the teenagers have been doing nangs in, you take it down there and you put it in their cave and you let them deal with it. You teach them a lesson in civic responsibility by them having to find a green bin to put this in. And then maybe once they've taken care of that, they'll realize they should pick up their nangs and pick up their empty bottles after their night on the bongs down in your cave. How long do you think it would take them before they attempted to smoke that by the... <laughs> like, I mean, I think they'd try that first in. and then they yeah. try to redistribute it. 
right. Um, oh, I forgot to tell you another uh, funny thing. Um, I went and saw a, a tarot card reader a few days ago. I've written this new script and there's a, a tarot card scene in it. I've never had my tarot read, so I thought this will be fun. A bit of haha. I'll go along and get my tarot read. Have you ever had an experience with a psychic where you're like, oh my God, they'll bang on. Like they, they were so specific. They'll so bang on that you're like, look, even if that was a coincidence, that was a pretty uncanny coincidence. Uh, yeah. Well, yes, I've had that experience, but that is not really what I've thought. Like I, right. th- I always go back to the idea that, uh, yeah, cold reading is an actual thing and over yeah, the, uh, and you can become very highly skilled at cold reading. And, and part of my job, you know, is kind of cold reading, you know, like you, cold read an audience, a group of people, but people can do it individually. And I went and saw this guy and I wish I could remember the name of this show and the name of this guy, but it was brilliant. And I've I've talked about it before on the podcast, but it was about 15 years ago. It was at the opera house and he did basically one of those sort of John Edwards style or, you know, all those magic trick style things where like, you know, you get up and think about a holiday that you'd been on and then he would point towards you and tell you what holiday you were thinking of. Like did all these things that just could not be possibly feasible like by mm. our understanding of how he could work these things out you know he's got his face taped and they yeah. get random objects from the audience and he says what the random objects were like it makes no sense other than sitting there in the audience going well this is black magic and this is the only explanation but his whole <laughs> witchcraft thing was, yeah burn him i kept yelling <laughs> and annoying everybody else around me but his whole bit was that none of you're this just is magic. shrieking. You're just shrieking in fear as the rest of the audience is clapping. You're curled up into fetal position, shrieking about the <laughs> demon on stage. <laughs> um, but it was like that because he was so uncanny, and his ability to do these things seemed magical. Like the only explanation could be that he was psychic, that he was supernatural. And but of course, his whole thing was. These are all just things I have learned how to do. These are all tricks. Mm. I'm not necessarily going to tell you what the trick is, but these are all things that I learned how to do. I'm not magic. I'm not psychic. I'm not whatever. And he did enough of all those things that made me think, I, I, yes, I have been to psychics or seen tarot card readers or these sort of things do incredible jobs of summing up where somebody's at or you know, be predictive mm. of their future and these sort of things. But I think that most of it is probably explainable, I imagine. 100%. I've read um, Darren Brown's book a few years ago and he talks about like what is hypnosis. And he said, look, they don't really know. They've done tried to do like uh, brain studies and all that kind of stuff. But what they do know is Except everybody falls people- asleep. Come on, bang. Yeah. <laughs> certain people who are just open to suggestion. And he talks about being a stage magician or mentalist, or whatever whatever his class does. And he's saying that like he reckons eighty percent or ninety percent of the people that he, you know, hypnotizes and that, they're doing it because they know they're in a stage show and they don't want to let the audience down. And it's just really about giving them permission to do that. And it's like, oh that makes as an actor that makes complete sense to me like sometimes you just want to disappear into this world where you're like well it's safe i can do whatever i want and act however i want here because you know it does this is this is just part of the show oh well when i got hypnotized like there was definitely an awareness i've been hypnotized for you know biting my fingernails through to stage hypnotism and they said at the time that one of the things there are certain groups of people whole brains are more suggestible because of the way that you think 
Mm. So like I think, you know, creative people, for example, are much more easily hypnotized because it has something to do with the way that storytelling works in your brain and whatever. The, and there's certain Visualization. Jobs, analy yeah, analytical jobs of different kinds where it's hard to get people to do it. Mine was mm. for a performance, like it was for a radio show. So there was certainly an element of like you knowing that you were in front of people, but there was certainly an element that was beyond that, you know, that you were, yeah. that your brain had at least been tricked or triggered or activated in a way that was like hyper normal. You know, you were at a level mm. where you um, were both aware that you were being hypnotized and that you were performing in front of people, but at the same time, yeah. really, I, I mean, I've said it before. It, it wasn't like that if you probably tried really hard, you couldn't stop. But it was like that you thought that everything that was suggested just seemed like an absolutely 110% great idea. Yeah. And why wouldn't you yeah. do that? That just seems, of course. Yeah. Like, and that's, I mean, you know. How many times have you been at a party with your friends? It's 5 a.m. and they're like, oh my God, you know what we should do tomorrow? Drive to Adelaide. And yeah. you're like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Because <laughs> you're caught up in the moment. It makes complete sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So knowing all that and knowing how skilled these like magicians and performers are, I was very underwhelmed by the experience. And this is one of those oh. um, re recommendations that had been like, oh, she's amazing. And, you know, she's really good if you're going to see anyone. And so, uh, so she did the tarot, laid out the tarot, then had to shuffle some other cards. And the funny thing was like, because I was willing to kind of like, you know, I, I'm, I'm skeptical about all this stuff, but I was willing to have fun with it, you know, and just sort of see where it went, you know. Uh, enjoy the theater of it all. So as I'm shuffling the cards, oh yeah, card I love. Out. I mean, by the way, because this is the thing that sometimes, just because I don't believe in any of these things, doesn't mean that I don't think these things are fun. Fun. Like I don't yeah. believe that Iron Man and Hulk are fighting against Thanos, but I still enjoy, you know, watching that experience. And it's much the same with these sort of things. Like I am not one of those. Oh, you're so dumb, and you shouldn't. Blah blah blah. I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I I read the horoscopes. And I, I enjoy yeah. the horoscopes in the paper. I, I find that like a fun little bit of the paper. <laughs> so I'm shuffling one of the decks of cards and this uh, card uh, pops out. And I'm like, oh, that must be significant. And then I'm shuffling it again. And again, the same card pops out. Oh. And I'm like, whoa, that must be significant. And she was like, yes, yes, we'll see. And so I give her the deck. That card never came back into the discussion. Like, I mean, as a writer, I'm like, oh, if I was a psychic, I'd be straight onto that. I'd be like, oh, this is an insistent message, you know, blah, 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 blah. There's a reason. Like, it was a fucking gimme. Like, it was right in front of her and she didn't even go for it. I was so disappointed. Well, maybe that's part of the cover, though. Like, you know, as in what you think is obvious. Maybe it's a red herring. Was the card the red herring? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> so, um, she what starts going into... Can you remember what the card was? Uh, Can you remember what it looked I can't, like? Because nah. it'd it be was great orange. if we googled it or whatever and it turns out that it's yeah. like imminent death and like they have yeah. like, she's like oh, i don't want to spoil his week he's on holidays yeah i'm not gonna imminent will... death came up twice in like the first <laughs> like it's a real terrible thing to be honest yeah. there's nothing to be done you can't do anything to yeah. prevent it so why would i why would i even say anything it, it literally says do not ignore this card yeah. printed across the front and she's like oh no it's fine we'll get imminent painful death <laughs> i'm getting something about a bin and uh, uh, some green waste that should not be in that bin. Man, this girl's amazing. <laughs> no, so she she skips that bit, and then she goes into the tarot, and she's like, mm -hmm, and she's like, I need to hold your hand. So she's holding my hand, and she's getting the vibe. 
<laughs> and she's like, cousins. Well, now, Something, uh, is, is there an issue going on with your cousins? There's a, there's a family issue going on. There's a family issue going on. Now, I, uh, I have cousins, but I don't know them because I'm come from a big family. They're a lot older than me. So mm. I don't have any day-to-day contact with my cousins. It's very rare if I, I would hear from one. Is it any so chance I was that like, she's talking about Ben Cousins, the AFL football? Yes. And you're worried about him yeah. and his lifestyle? No, she's like Daisy Cousins. She's like, well, I'm watching Sky News. It's what a garbage <laughs> fucking program that is. <laughs> Uh, so I said, no, nothing about cousins. And she's like, oh, there's a family, um, there's a family issue. There's a family issue. And I know in this situation, what you're meant to do is like fish around to give her something like, oh no, like for instance, I'd be, oh no, it's not cousins, but I have a lot of brothers and sisters. And then she could easily hop on that lily pad and go, yes. Oh, she brothers goes, yeah, and sisters yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Lots of brothers yeah. and sisters sometimes comes through as cousins. Yeah, exactly. But I just decided to not <laughs> give her yeah. anything and just like, and so... And then she sort of explained, look, you know, it's sometimes it's hard for me to articulate. So, you know, um, I'm just going to throw some things out there and, and you know, and, and if, if it sounds right. And I'm like, hang on, like, isn't that not the point to just throw some things out there and something will make sense to me? Because I, I can do that. Like, yeah. I can easily do that. Um, work. You got some work issues yeah. of some kind? Yeah. Is there something going on with work? And people can't see, but Will just waved his hand so dismissively in like, the laziest psychic, uh, yeah, work or uh, work. something like that. Something at work? Is there something at work going on at the moment or not work? Do you want to... Is it something to do with your job or your lack of job? I'm getting a work <laughs> thing. So then she goes, oh, you know, that's a... Your relationship or lack of relationship. I feel yeah. like there's some relationship or lack of relationship thing that's happening. And then she fucking steps on a landmine, which I imagine for a psychic is she tries to get real specific real early but she completely misstepped it because she said um uh, uh you've been talking to your mother or something very specific that could only be talked about with a mother who was alive like i remember I was talking to your mother but it's something about interacting with my mother and i was like oh my mother passed away three years ago and you could see her like flash of fear as in has she offended me but then the quick recalculation of okay that's exactly what I meant to say, but I just, I can't remember, wish I could remember the exact words because one is a reference you'd talk to about someone who was alive. Like you and your mother have got blah, 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 or doing this. It wasn't like your mother's sending you a message. Like you and your she, mother are going to lunch today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Like, and so she completely misstepped and I was like, Oh, okay. And, and she was like, Oh, you know, sorry. Uh, that can be, that can be a really challenging question for some people, but yes, your mother's here. And she's, I was like, okay. And she's like, and your father, something about and, your father. And, and are we going to lunch still? <laughs> she, she's here. When you say she's here, is she here for yeah. lunch today? Is that what you're saying? Because that's what you said like 30 seconds ago. You said we were going to lunch together. Is that still happening? Am I going to lunch with my ghost mum? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> and then she's like, oh, your father, something about your father and, and, and a car. And that makes, there is no, my father wasn't into cars. Our family wasn't into cars. We had a family car that was like just a whatever Holden Kingswood. It wasn't like it was part of the family. My, I don't but think I've Charlie, ever had a conversation. Why wasn't your father into cars? <laughs> <laughs> so this goes on for a little while, about 10 minutes of her like really floundering. And I could tell she was getting flustered because it was just like miss after miss after miss after miss. And I just was very patiently just just like waiting for her to, to hit a strike. And then I was like, okay, I need to give her 
I need to give her something to go on. So um, I told her what I did for a living. I said, I'm an actor and a writer, all this kind of stuff. And she's like, oh, mm, I see big success in America. Mm. <laughs> like that this was... woman is no good at her job at all, is she? <laughs> like... No good. No good. And it was like, oh, wow. You know, can you tell me what, you know, is it, is it yeah. acting, writing? Is it, you know, and she was, and she's like, well, whatever it is, it's like bigger than you've ever imagined. I'm like, well, that's exciting. Wow. Awesome time frame. Mm-hmm. And she's like, next year, sometimes ne- next year. And I'm like, okay. Okay. And I was like, so what should I be doing to, and, uh, to get ready for that? Like, you know, and she's like, it doesn't matter. The wheels are in motion. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> matter. Like, she's giving you the, she's busted out the rocks catchphrase. Yeah, that's she said, what you've got to do. She's, is she said, to... your, by the way, what, what, what's your name again? I'm like, well, it's Charlie. It doesn't matter what your name is. <laughs> Whoa, she starts speaking in the third person. The psychic thinks you're a dumb jabroni. <laughs> wow, this is this is you know what those first turn. two cards that came out were. I'm gonna roll them up. And I'm going to roll them up real tight. And then I'm going to bend you over. And I'm going to stick those tarot cards up your candy ass. If you smell. (laughs) What the psychic is thinking. Uh, I mean, I guess it serves you right for going to the people's tarot card reader. But... So the whole session ended up, I ended up giving her lots of information because I was like, well, let's, you know, let, let, let me have some positive affirmation. So she was quite good about, you know, my life and everything. But I think I had, it was meant to be a half hour reading. And then like there was a knock on the door and it was Gemma because we'd gone almost like 50 minutes without like, she had forgot to put the timer on her phone on. And I right. think because I had thrown her so hard in the first 10 minutes, like she was really, she was really working hard. And then I started to give her some bones and she sort of found her feet. But like, as, as I went to leave, I was like, okay, we're going to go. I was like, well, I don't have to pay her for the next 20 minutes, right? Like, it's not my fault that she went 20 minutes over because she floundered so much. Like, if she'd had some hits earlier on, it might have been, I might have been tempted to give her a tip or whatever, but I just paid her for the half hour. Is that what you would have done? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I would have. I mean, that first, I mean, I think you've been kind to give her that, to be honest. Like, oh, I you mean, wouldn't have paid her at all. I mean, after, you know, you're having lunch with your ghost mum, I might have got up and said, and you, ma'am, are a charlatan. And give me those two cards. I'm going to Google them on the way home. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that was Charlie's Adventures with a Psychic. Um, Let's get to some T-mail. I'm slowly, to everyone who's writing in, if you don't hear back from us, I'm sorry, but uh, I, I used to try and respond to all the messages. Now there's just too many. We're backlogged by about a month. So do you I'm want to tell to people about your new Patreon incentive? Right. Yeah. Okay. So look, I know every week we come up uh, with ways to give away these Tofop stickers. And uh, I thought a good way to encourage people to join Patreon, because you can join for as little as a dollar a month. Um, would be we'll take correspondence from the Patreon message window. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can send us messages. So each week when we do our T-mail, we'll also do a Patreon T-mail. The best message we receive every week, we'll read out on air, and you'll be sent a sticker book. How does that sound, Will? How will this possibly blow up in our faces? Well, I think initially it'll blow up in our faces because you can join from a dollar and it's going to cost us well more than a dollar to send out the stickers to these people. So it is a net loss business that we're already involved in. But it's got to be a quality message. We're not just giving away to anyone. That is a good I mean, point. but it depends how desperate we get. If we well, only I was get one, say, email. unless so, we only get one message that week, in which case I guess we'll yeah. give it away to that one. Oh, 
That's a fucking high stakes gambler. The guy's like, I'm just going to write in, hey, Tofop, fuck you, and bank on the fact that I'm the only guy who messaged them and see if they fucking stay true to their word. You know what? If you are the one person, and I don't know how you coordinate this amongst all the listeners, but if one person writes to our Patreon next week and it's just, hey, Tofop, fuck you, I'll send you two sticker books for pages. <laughs> Because they're only uh, single good. pages. They're not We're books. building up some momentum of how this will backfire in our face. Well done. <laughs> our first letter is from... Oh, we should also say, fucking Adam Bailey, for anyone uh, who has been following the TOEFOP virtual reality 3D world, Adam Bailey, who first got in contact with us to let us know that it is possible. Will and I mockingly discussed, oh yeah, well maybe we'll build like a Tofop news agent. You can send Tofop a fax. And if you arrange the magazines in the right order, a picture of Will will appear covered in dicks. Ha ha ha. We'd like to see you try and do that. What happened next, Will? Yeah, well, he did that. Much more easily than I ever imagined that he'd be able to do it. So I probably went in a little boldly on my pronouncements of what I would actually do if this was achievable, because it turns out it is actually very achievable. Uh, and really uh, also, I, I didn't get the, what is the name of the person who did the cartoon as well, which is absolutely uh, brilliant. The animation, uh, on which is on YouTube, should have looked this up before we did the podcast. But it is absolutely Why don't we, we get Mike Hal to look for it while we read a letter? Oh, yeah, that'd be really good, actually, Mike Hal, because it is also amazing. A great conversation we had about uh, sneakers on the podcast, and uh, it has been yeah. animated, and you can watch the whole five minutes on YouTube, and it is brilliant. I, I mean, when the audience do stuff like that, uh, you know, unsolicited, it is just, it kind of blows our mind a little bit. So uh, thank you to everybody How who's we, been getting involved. Have you, did you contact him? Did you send him a message? Uh, no, I retweeted and sort of said thank you and, and whatever, but I haven't had an opportunity to follow get, it up at all. We'll get in touch with that dude. Dude, yeah, whose name we'll dude, learn That whose shortly. name that we will know, hopefully, by the time we get through this letter. Uh, first letter is from Damien. Hey, guys. Uh, since my last email, my Simpsons script, along with the Seinfeld one I wrote a few months ago, has been doing the rounds at work. I've always wanted to be a writer, but it was something I'd work towards one day. However, every single person who read those scripts says, why do you work here? <laughs> well, I hope the two are related oh, because if they're unrelated, it's you work with some horrible people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it might just be that you were showing around weird script. Uh, guys, I wrote a Seinfeld, and everyone at work's like, "Yeah, that's good." What? But that's not here? what we do here at this business. And also, yeah. the television show Seinfeld has not been on air for fifteen years. <laughs> you have wasted a lot of your time. The chronology of these events is very important because if someone has read your script and says, why do you work here? It's very different to you handing them a script and they look at it, look at you and say, why do you work here? <laughs> Some of them said, why do you work here? And my boss said, oh, you don't work here anymore. Why do you keep coming to the office? This statement is both encouraging and disheartening at the same time. Oh, by the way, I just realized I said his last name. Michael, can you just bleep Damien's last name when, 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 you, when you edit this? Uh, on one hand, the people like my work and believe, albeit in their unprofessional opinion, that I have talent. But on the other hand, I'm a nobody from Adelaide who has to pay the mortgage and provide for a family. I've just turned 36 after being told upon renewing my driver's license that the next time you do this, you'll be 41. It got me thinking about my life so far. By the way, this, I, I had have... to renew my driver's license recently and um, I got myself a 10-year license, as I like to do. And oh. the person behind the uh, counter said, uh, by the way, this is the last time you're about to get a 10-year license because I'm now at the age oh. where they don't give you 10-year licenses anymore after this. Oh, that's fucking 
sad, man. Yeah, it did make me feel sad. And it's not a great photo, so I really want to get another one. <laughs> on the, uh, it got me thinking about my life so far. On top of this, I've also been asked to think about what I want to do moving forward at work. I work for a blank in the blank, blank team. Well, uh, what sort of, of um, tell me what sort of industry. Fi- financial, financial institution. Okay. We get asked that every year, but this year I didn't have an answer because I don't want to be there. This is probably more of a question for Charlie, but what's the TV industry like in Australia for writers? I will can answer that as well. I assume it's predominantly Melbourne and Sydney based for all TV. Uh, All actors seem to go through home and away neighbours at some point. Is that the same with writers? And I guess ultimately, how do you even get into that world? I assume they don't use Seek. Um, Yeah. So look, there are lots of jobs for writers. It's like kind of... um, most of the writers I know do an internship with a with a with a script office. Um, I think if you go to the MEAA, they offer internships at both the soaps and stuff. But it's um, you just sort of meet writers, I guess, and 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 just keep your ear to the ground, and you get internships. So you start off doing like basic kind of office work. If you want to start at the ground level, the other thing is you can yeah, just write but a I, yeah, I would say get it to the right oh, people. Ben, ben Phelps, sorry, is the name of the animator at Ben Phelps on Twitter. If you want to see his stuff, check it out. Uh, definitely do that. Um, so I would say this: if you're the sort of person that has the kind of presence of mind and the ability and the sort of dedication to sit down and write yourself a Simpsons script and write yourself a Seinfeld script, then uh, Writing a spec script for a home and away or for some other, um, you know, thing is going to be easy enough for you to do. Watch a week of the shows, get a bit of a vibe for the characters and write yourself a spec script and send it off to any of those places that you might want to write for. Now, that could be, um, you know, somewhere like, I know that, you know, I'm pretty sure that Sean McAuliffe, when he first started, you know, he was living in Adelaide and he started doing some writing for, you know, the sketch shows. I know sketch comedy shows Mm. will often take submissions from other writers as long as it goes through the appropriate channels you know they'll take outside submissions and if they think it's yeah good quality material they might end up using it and they'll they'll pay you for that and often that's a good way to break into those sort of shows often it has to do with the sort of show that you want to write on if you've got talent and you submit something that's in the form of that show and people like it people want to find good people they want to find good motivated people your age is not a predicament. In fact, if anything, mm. I would say the fact that you're coming to writing at that stage in your life with great life experience behind you is a positive. I mean, there are so many writers who have had previous careers and I think often yeah. it means that you could just have better stuff and better you know, ideas to bring to your yeah. writing and different perspectives to bring to your writing. So, I mean, you look at someone like J.K. Rowling. She didn't start you know, writing the Harry Potter books until she was the same age as, you know, yeah, this, this mm. correspondent to us, you know, there's a great opportunity. Writing is one of those things that it doesn't really matter what age you are. And if you know how to write a spec script, then I would recommend sending off some stuff, find out who the head writer of these shows are that you want to write for and send them examples of your work. Because if it's good, yeah. there's people out there who are always looking for good people. I also think like, why well, I definitely agree with that doing the spec script, but you should also just be making smaller stuff that demonstrates you can write. Like there's a ton of short film festivals in Australia and internationally where you can, if you can shoot yourself, great. If not, like I'm sure you can find a director out of film school or whatever who wants to direct one of your scripts and just get like a kick-ass, Tropfest is perfect. Like Tropfest are basically, if you like writing comedy, you know, the ones that win are always sketches. So just write yourself a seven-minute sketch or a scene from one of your sitcoms, just rename it, set it in Australia from like Seinfeld, about four flatmates or something like that. 
But um, those that stuff gets you noticed because they're judged by people who work for television stations and stuff. And the best part is you can actually show people the finished product. It's, it's Sometimes it's hard to get people to read scripts. But even if you've got a YouTube channel, if you make a bunch of fucking like funny YouTube videos, YouTube shorts, like people want to see it now. It's so easy to make stuff. It's a requirement that you can demonstrate this is what you do. I think that the 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 spec script is good, but what's even better is like something that's been made. It makes you seem more legit. And also it's good practice for you. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, if you look at um, young actors, directors, that doesn't mean that necessarily all those people are writers. And often, you yeah. know, like the, there is a group of young actors or a group of young comedians or a group of young directors or whatever who are looking to make something but, you know, need a script, need someone to actually come up with the idea and, and put together a script. So, no, there's I, I don't think that Adelaide is any impediment. I don't think that your age is any impediment. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to give up your job. It may be something that you not can at do all, not at the, start. Uh, at the yeah. start, you know, in, in conjunction while you're feeling it out. You know, like my friend Max Barry, who wrote his first novel while he was working at Hewlett Packard, he used to just, you know, sit in his car at lunchtime and write for an hour, you know, in his yeah. car during his lunch hour, you know, while he was still working and writing his first novel. Yeah, I mean, I, I've written and directed this web series this year, Lessons for Life. I did that in basically five days. I spent two days writing it and just went out with a friend and an iPhone and we just shot it. Like it was that simple and it's turned out really well. So it, it doesn't have to be something that kind of, you know, takes up weeks and weeks. You can just, no. if you just plan, just carve yourself out two weekends, you'll be able to shoot something. Yeah, it could be something you did on your holidays from work or something you did on your weekends as a hobby to kind of, you know, keep your, you know, balance out your life. Anyway, yeah. I think this is all better advice than you would have got from a tarot card reader. <laughs> something I'm also about your dad and something a about your cousins. Are you having an issue with yeah. your cousins? Uh, Damien finishes. On a side note, it's a shame Netflix doesn't have a studio here. That'd be really good for Australia in terms of bringing some high-quality mainstream sitcoms and adult animated shows to the market and getting to the world stage. We don't have really anything like that right now that I was seeing. We mostly seem to export drama, Wentworth, Wolf Creek, etc. Either way, love the show. Yeah. More Australian content for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, some Australian comedies, you know, I mean, look, Josh Thomas's show is a really good example of one that, you know, started here. Rose Haven got a shout out on The Simpsons. I noticed. I saw that. Recently, and so did Clever Man. So, um, you know, like, I think that that's just another good example of the fact that if you make something good and, it, and get it out there, that, you know, it might not happen straight away, people but notice. eventually people notice. I mean, I think Josh Thomas's show is such a great example of something that. You know, when it, when it didn't did its first run on ABC, it was on the ABC regular channel and basically rated, well, rated so little that they had to put it on the sort of second channel to keep it going. But it is then been found and discovered and, you know, bought overseas and, you know, been seen by millions and millions around the world. Like sometimes, you know, when something is initially put to market, it doesn't, you know, take off initially. But, mm. you know, if you can get it made, then, you know, people have an opportunity to find it. Yeah. This is from Joanna. Hey, Will and Charlie. Here's another tantalizing TOEFOP tidbit. I've just arrived back in Melbourne, having spent five days in the US attending a conference in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I wanted to let you know about a rather disturbing dream I had on my visit. In my dream, there was a new system in place whereby teabaggers could sit in Will's living room whilst TOEFOP was being recorded. The recording happened upstairs in the secluded pod cave behind closed doors, but was broadcast live to the living room downstairs. This sounds great. I'm into this already. Fans were welcome to wander in at any time and sit in Will's living room, but there were two rules that had to be followed. They were not allowed to knock on the pod cave door or do anything disruptive whilst the recording was taking place. 
and they were also not allowed to steal any food from Will's fridge, even if it was mouldy. All right, firstly, what I object to about this is that the idea that I have mouldy food in my fridge. <laughs> like, unless it's some expensive blue cheese, I do not have mouldy food in my fridge. Thank you very much. In my dream, I wandered into Will's house during a TOEFOP recording and sat quietly in the living room. After sitting there for a while, I started to wonder if I'd misunderstood the invitation, given that I was the only person there. Oh, this is like a purge or like a hostel-type situation. Then I realized that I was quite possibly trespassing and I started to freak out. At this point, I looked down and realized I was wearing only a small towel. Panic-stricken, I got up to leave as quickly and discreetly as I could. On my way out, I did pause to have a sneaky look in Will's fridge. <laughs> what is it with the fridge? And found it was overflowing with mostly out-of-date produce. This person doesn't know me. A, the idea that I would somehow invite strangers into my home, that, that is out of character for me. B, that there would, you'd just be able to sit on my couch and then in a towel for no real reason. <laughs> and then that my fridge would A, be chockers. It wouldn't be chockers. It's, it's rarely chockers, the fridge, because um, I try to just buy what I'm going to use. And then secondly, that it would be out of date. No, doesn't check out. What if she was a time traveller? Maybe like, you know, this is a future will. Because she doesn't actually see you. Like, maybe she's just, like, fallen through a portal and, you're, you know, you're living on your own now for some reason and you don't take care of yourself. You're like Batman in Bat The Dark Knight Rises. You're walking with a limp. Wow. I, I mean, to be honest, now. Charlie, what you've described so far is pretty much what my life has been like this year. <laughs> I'm having yeah, my... I'm having... I'm having my Batman year and not the good bit of Batman. It has literally been, that's what it has felt like. It's felt like I've lived in this isolated house that's too big for me by myself most of the year that I've been getting around in a dressing gown with my limp and just muttering to myself at home. Shooting arrows in your living room. You know, the funny thing is, in that movie, that's meant to be seen as like, you know, what a terrible time. Like, essentially, he hasn't left his late room in eight years. And I'm just like looking at that going, ah. Oh. It's my fantasy. Bliss. That's what I'm going to do with my <laughs> retirement. If an, old, if an old man with a cool accent can occasionally bring me food and I never have to get out of my dressing gown or talk to anybody else and I can just randomly fire arrows at shit. Like, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm content. The dream reminded me of an old episode of the podcast in which you talked about running a competition, Charlie of the Chocolate Factory style, where the finder of a golden ticket gets to hang out and watch the podcast being recorded live. Would I dream that as well? Uh, it sounds like something we would talk about, I'm it does sure. does sound like something we'd talk about. I think the only time we ever did that was Dave Anthony roped us into something. You remember Dave? It was either for Walking Room or The Dollop. Ran a competition where you could go to the footy with him and Greg and me and you. But like, basically just told us about it. Like, it wasn't like, hey, can I run this competition? It's like, hey, you're coming to the football to hang out with some listeners. Yeah. He pimped us, man. He pimped us to pay for his trip to Australia. <laughs> And undervalued us, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're not those... Che we're, we're not cheap hookers. We're classy escorts. Exactly. Please be assured that I have no intention of finding out where Will, where Will lives and letting myself into his living room, so no need to call the police. Love the podcast. Thank you for all the years of fabulous content, hilarity, and good vibes, Joanna. P.S. Will, would you consider doing some fully improvised shows in Melbourne? Uh, look, here, okay, so I'm doing uh, my 
uh, work in progress improv shows at the Sydney Comedy Store as of uh, Friday night. So from the 7th to the 15th. Uh, the, the, the first weekend, I think Saturday is sold out Friday almost. So getting quick if you want to come to the very first one. Um, I Just because my first run of big shows is in Melbourne this year, I'm doing a month of shows in Melbourne. No, is the answer. I'd like to you know, do the sort of working it up shows in a different place to the place that I'm actually going to do the uh, big official shows. So uh, yeah, you don't that, shit, you don't shit where you eat, dude. Exactly, and yeah, I, look, I don't want people to see the you know the preparation. <laughs> I just like them to see the final meal. I don't want to have to them to see what has to go into the sausage. You know, they they may not enjoy it as much. I have to tell this story, but I've got to like, all right, to protect the innocent. So I went to see someone do a play once, a friend, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was. I had to go quite a long way. It's quite an ordeal to get to. It's like out of town kind of thing. Yeah. I remember getting there and it was the, the place they were putting it on. It wasn't like a theater. They converted, a, you know, this room into a kind of theater. So it wasn't easy layout. It wasn't like you go into a lawyer a, a lobby and there's like the bathrooms and the, sort of it got a bit labyrinthy. So I went in there and as the audience is filing in, I'm like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. But like, where is it? There's no obvious signs. For it. So I just open this door and step out of the performance space into this crack between two buildings where like water's running down the walls and stuff. And I turn and see my friend in full costume standing in this little makeshift dressing room. He's got leaning a mirror against the wall. He's got a little stool. He's got his like makeup on top of the stool. But it's like essentially the crawl space between two buildings. And I was, it was one of these moments where I was like, probably didn't need to see this before you hit the stage. Because no, it like, takes away some of the magic, that, doesn't it? Magic. It's like you've walked in on somebody sitting on the toilet. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's embarrassing for everybody. <laughs> it's kind of like when someone walks in on us podcasting. That's how it felt. Like, yeah, oh god, I, it's always no amazing after all these years how much shame I feel when someone <laughs> unexpectedly walks in on us podcasting. Like, it actually makes me feel like, oh, after all this time, I can't believe I still feel so much shame. Well, it's even weirder when we do it because we mostly do it down the line. So, like, when someone comes in, it's like you are talking to your. Well, you look like James Gunn at the moment with your glasses and your BK. It looks like I'm talking to James Gunn on Skype. <laughs> and I've got some very controversial old tweets I want to run you through, Charlie. <laughs> uh, Joe Vandenboom gets in touch. And I'm using his surname because he oh. starts his letter by saying, Vandenboom, yes, pronounced as it's spelt, it's Dutch. It means of the tree, but to the real stuff. Will, I found you through the dollop. Now, I've listened to every single episode of Tofop. Sorry. Yes, the old one's... <laughs> yes, the old ones too. Philosophy. And because of the dollop and you, probably science. This is a great podcast. You should listen it is. to it. Will and it's I an excellent it. podcast. I live in Kansas, Missouri. Uh, Kansas City, Missouri. I'm a 29-year-old truck driver and I work from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. shift Monday to Friday for my amazing family. That's a brutal shift, dude. Your content gets me through the long nights. I just want to say thank you. Also, if Charlie turned out to actually be a time traveler, who came back to be the man who conceived Batman and the time travel conspiracy just to make Tofop and create the conversations you are now having to warn us of the impending robot takeover, how would you react? <laughs> Do you need a recap of all those things? No, I get it. You've traveled back in time to father Batman. Yep. And the yep. reason you've done that is so that we can have conversations about Batman that will eventually stray into our ap- apocalyptic warnings about the rise of AI uh, and the killer robots. Um, 100%. Look, to be honest, it's, it's, it's not as nonsensical as like most <laughs> of the shit that's in the newspapers these days. It's not as nonsensical as Donald Trump going, it's cold here, so global warming must be fine. 
It's not as, I mean, did you see, I probably am going to end up doing stand-up about this, but I posted it on my Instagram and like there was an Alexa ad in the paper the other day that just basically the Mm. slogan was always getting smarter. And I was just like, they're they're not even bothering hiding it. They're just saying (laughs) it now. They're just saying, and we'll be like, why didn't they warn us? Oh no, they did, remember? In their advertising copy. Literally, this is how they sold it to us. Just the next billboard will just be uh, uh, an Alexa covered in blood with "We will kill all of you, meat bags." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all going to die by our hand. <laughs> Recommended retail price seventy nine ninety nine. Um, I am uh, thinking about when I get my hips done, getting like yeah. robot hips in instead, and actually. Ah, oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm thinking about becoming transhuman. I feel like <gasps> our only hope, if you can't beat them, join them. I feel like my yeah. only hope is to infiltrate the robots from the inside so i feel like no, i've got you... to become to beat the robots i've got to become a robot there you go yeah. there's your tagline I mean... for your film to beat the robots <laughs> he's got to become a robot uh joe finishes off p.s i sent this on facebook too i just want you guys to know you're loved in the midwest of the usa but i just don't trust charlie he's actually skynet <laughs> yeah okay well that's why do I... I don't trust charlie uh and our final letter is from natalia Uh, Hey guys, after recently going back in on Nintendo games and other reboots from the PlayStation 1 era, I've become obsessed with chasing my childhood nostalgia. Uh, You and the rest of society might also be because I just turned 27 and I'm grasping for my youth. Yikes. (laughs) 27, (laughs) grasping for your youth. Shut Shut the fuck up. I could have a kid your age. (laughs) Is there there anything you... Is there anything you guys... Oh, thank God you don't. I'm just what I'm thinking. Oh, right. Is there anything you guys get intense feelings of childhood teen nostalgia with? And if you do, do you ever actively seek those things out to get a warm feeling you had as a kid before you realized the world was terrible? I would love to know your answers. Thanks, guys. Natalia. Yeah, man. I, I think I think I've gone... I think the pendulum has swung. I for a while, like I got into a real YouTube black hole where I was just Googling everything from my past, like opening credits of TV shows and celebrities that were around, all that kind of stuff. But now I just sort of crave new stuff. I understand the comfort of nostalgia, but because, you know, you know, the work I do and stuff exposed to a lot of pop culture, I'm, I get, I'm a bit over nostalgia. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, but like, what I mainly seek out now is new stuff. I get really excited when I see a TV show or a movie or something that I haven't heard anything about and it's really good and original. Yeah, I agree. Um, except that I have uh, just watched season one of The West Wing again and I'm going to watch the whole um, of The West Wing again because I just need to be comforted by a time where politics seemed okay. I mean, I know that's not an ideal representation <laughs> of you know, what the American electoral system should be, but it is a fantasy version a storybook fantasy version of how you know politics could work and um at the moment with the world just being so terrible from top to bottom um i feel like i need a little comfort particularly because i'm writing at the moment i'm trying to think about what this new show will be about and i think that more likely than not you know you have a responsibility almost to talk about you know climate change and you know if i talk about climate change then i'm probably going to end up talking about ai and data and killer robots and you know all these sort of things in the show and so my head's been in quite a dark place because as i research these things 
like I'm, I'm not comforted by anything that I learn. Essentially, these are all areas where the more knowledge you have about, you know, the data that's been collected on us or the more knowledge that you have about, you know, what scientists, scientists really think is the fate of our planet and how sort of close it is to actually happening. The more of that you read, just the darker and darker and more depressed you get as a human being. So I've had to kind of balance that out by like having West Wing on in the background to sort of just like yin and yang it. Hey guys, have you got any affectionate stories about nostalgia? Well, the world's about to end, so we might as well blind ourselves with nonsense until we're all on fire or drowning. Yeah, I have nostalgia for a time where we weren't, death wasn't impending around every single corner. All right, uh, we need to finish the show up. So, uh, if you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com. Send us a letter via the Patreon message window. Leave your address and you could be in the running to win a Tofop sticker book. If you're the only person who writes in this week and you just write, hey guys, fuck you, you'll get two of them. <laughs> and uh, I'm doing shows at the Sydney Comedy Store, 7th to the 15th. Uh, that show will then debut. It'll be called Will Inform and, and it'll be at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. They're both on sale. So if you're in Sydney, come and see the improv shows. If you're in Melbourne, buy tickets to the actual show. That'd be good. I think a Hobart date's about to go on sale uh, soon uh, for Will Informed as well. And look, I'll go to the rest of the country at other stages. Not doing Adelaide Fringe this year for the first time in 20 years nearly. And um, not doing Brisbane Comedy Festival. Just have some scheduling issues uh, that means that I can't do that. But So the show's going to debut in Melbourne, but I'll do the rest of the country at some stage later in the year. You can go to tofop.com to check out this and all our other great podcasts. But also, Tofop is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network, which is a sensational Australian-owned podcast network. And there's heaps of great shows there. The Weekly Planet, uh, Just Make the Thing, Do Go On. Lots hey of Fam, shows. which I listened to the most hey recent fam. episode of Hey Fam with uh, Becky Lucas and Cameron James. It is a very funny episode. So go to Planet Broadcasting to check out some other great podcasts. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.